I mean, being polyamorous, you are opening your heart to more individuals. So you have more chances of getting hurt. You also have more chances of getting so much love and a support system for whatever you may go through or whatever they may go through and just so much more you can get back. So it's a gamble. Like with anything, you can receive so much, but you can also lose so much. And I would agree that the rewards are very bountiful in a relationship like that. But I'll admit I've had difficult times in uh, mono relationships or polyamorous relationships where I just wish I wasn't polyamorous. It would have made my life so much easier. Take a girl and a guy and they fall madly in love and form a family. Sprinkle in some counseling degrees and a doctorate, a dream of transforming relationships as we know it. And 20 years later, we give you power couple Dr. Ray and Jean Ketkodian. And this is their podcast, Couples Synergy. Welcome back to another episode of Couples Synergy with Dr. Ray and Jean. I'm Dr. Ray. And I'm Jean. And this is our podcast about love, marriage, and relationships. Check us out online at couplesynergy.com. And be sure to subscribe to our podcast or send us any suggestions on topics you'd like to hear more about. And now on to Couple Synergy, an in-depth look at love, marriage, and relationships, where we bring you our experiences working with thousands of couples for over 15 years. You know, every day we get to hear intimate details about a couple's celebrations, disappointments, and everyday challenges. We've often wished these stories were shared because we know we are more similar than different. So we've created not only an avenue where you can hear about people's intimate lives, but an atmosphere where people come over to our home pub for a drink and share their stories. People like today's guests, Christina and Joel, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Hey, thank you for thank having you. us. Yeah, this is going to be a really great podcast because I uh, we're going to be covering a topic that is a very interesting one for, for us here. It's the topic of polyamorous relationships. Mm-hmm. But before we get into that, why don't you guys tell us a little bit about yourselves? How old are you? What do you do for a living? And how long have you been together? Wow, I'm 39 today. That's <laughs> Happy birthday. birthday. So I'm old and <laughs> I now work in industrial safety after I retired out of the uh, fire and EMS service after 17 years. Awesome. What about you, Christine? I am 31, should be 32 by the end of the month. And for the past quite a few years, I've been bartending and serving, but also work event security, mostly non-for-profits across the Midwest. That's a big job of mine. Now, have you guys been together? This time around, about almost a year and a half. This time around? <laughs> yes. Yeah. We knew each other for many, many, many years. And then in 2007, we actually moved in to the same house we started dating then for a period of time. All right, let's go there. How did you guys meet? So it was almost 20 years ago. A mutual friend of ours got us both interested in working security for anime conventions. He was the head of the security at the, that point in time. And I had a friend of mine who's since passed who convinced my father to let me go away to a hotel with minimal adult supervision for a weekend while How I was in high school. <laughs> I was a freshman in high school oh my oh, when I wow. first started doing all of this. But I started going and it was one of the events. And this new guy came and was working with Beryl. And I'm sitting there because I'm, what, not even five feet at that point in my life. And everybody kind of looks at me like I need to be protected. And he didn't. He looked at me like, all right, she's here. She's got to have some form of like ability to do this. Let's see where this goes. And 
I think I cursed him out within the first 24 hours of meeting him. That sounds about right. <laughs> so. What's your version? I had been asked to come and work the event. They wanted a uh, EMT on staff, and I agreed to show up. And, you know, they kind of partner, partnered me up with her just to kind of uh, get my feet wet with how they operate in that environment, which is very different than working EMS out on the streets. No, it was just, she seemed very competent and uh, mature for her age. So I just kind of went with it. I'm like, mm, okay, I'll take my orders from a 16-year-old. and I'm not that <laughs> proud. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm still in my, you know, five-year rookie stage in the fire service. I don't mind being told what to do. So how old were you then? Yes, I was 23. 23? Yeah. Well, we met when I was 13. Oh, yeah. So I guess I would have been 20. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So <laughs> so what happens from there? <laughs> you know, not a lot, actually. We, we mainly only saw each other at events. We would end up working. And I kind of had to chuckle a little bit because I would always kind of see people not really take her seriously. And when they were giving her a, a lot of attention, it was normally just to try to woo her in the bed and i was just not going to do that because i wasn't going to go to jail right, right, right. <laughs> good plan that's a good plan yeah there were definitely a lot of moments of that because there was even i will say i was like 15 and i've always been made to feel older because i was really an only child and all of my cousins were so much older than me that i started hitting on them at an event I was finally actually kind of coming out of my shell. Um, I was actually being more forward in my life. And I went running past him down a hallway, slapped him on the, the behind on my way. And what did you say to Beryl? Right I, I turned around and I, I said, that is not why I'm going to jail tonight. I, <laughs> I mean, I, I have had intoxicated patients make passes at me in the back of an ambulance. I've had old ladies try to grab me because they thought I was cute. <laughs> and I can handle, I can navigate those situations all day long where I just, I'm a, you know, I'm a, a public relations dream at diffusing those situations. <laughs> I had no idea what to do right then. I'm just like, I, I'm just going to go somewhere else. <laughs> yeah. And that's pretty much how it was until we moved into the same house. So what was that situation? She was 20, so it was, so yeah. I was, well, I was 19, 20. 19, 20. Either way, okay. she was legal. I'm like, oh, And you're like 26-ish. Well, yeah, 26, 27. And is this a house that just a lot of people live in? So It's a community living? Well, it, I had two roommates. It started out as I moved out of a really bad environment of my first apartment moving out of my parents' place. And a couple of us decided look, we need to actually have space and get a good apartment. So we went out and we found a four-bedroom, one-bath apartment on the second floor of a house around the corner, funny enough, from the house I grew up in. So it was kind of nice because we had parental-type supervision if we really needed it. I mean, all of us were like 18, 19, 20 years old, but we were still far enough that if we didn't want to deal with them, we didn't have to. Mm -hmm. And then we had seen each other in an event and he had said that he was looking for a place in the Chicagoland area, especially on the north side. And I was like, hey, the first floor of our house is completely like open and it has been for a while. I can get you in contact with the manager who she loved us at that point because we were young, but 
We didn't break anything. We weren't overly loud. The neighbors didn't care. So I passed along the information and kind of did I know this is a guy I've been working with for quite a few years. He's very trustworthy. I trust him with my life. Hey, this be nice. <laughs> so now you, you said you've been working with him for many years. Is, is that you guys were both in the... Yeah, working the, uh, the the conferences. The events. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So you guys stayed in contact forever since uh, y- you met? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you said there was a second time around in the relationship. So that's where our story gets a little bit Shakespearean. All right. <laughs> so we had been living together, and we had had this relationship. And I had an ex-girlfriend who lived with a guy who wanted to get with her. Uh, with with Pixie. And they had devised this story where my mental state at the time, and admittedly, it, I wasn't doing well mentally. I, w- I was suffering from work stress, and I was drinking too much. I was handling it in the most unhealthy way. And the story was Chris Pixie was uncomfortable. Christina, Christina. just so that Christina, sorry. <laughs> people <laughs> don't either, know who we're talking or. about. Either or. Yeah, All either right. or. Okay. This is only one person in the room right now. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> was uncomfortable with my mental status and didn't really want me in the house anymore. The story I was getting was that we had had our fun and she was now bored with me. And that made me feel very uncomfortable. So I very quietly just kind of moved out. And the story that I got was that... I was really young and moving too quickly and was being a little too forward with him and it was making him uncomfortable because that's not what he was looking for. He didn't want a relationship. He just wanted some fun on the side. And so I kind of tried to step back a little bit to make him feel less uncomfortable since we all lived in the same household and started kind of seeing the other guy. So you guys didn't really talk to each other. You got these stories from yeah. a third party. Well, we got yeah. these stories from people that we thought were actually like looking out for us. Oh. Um, <laughs> That'll teach us. <laughs> Why didn't you guys talk to each other? It just seems so plausible. You know, when you're dealing with um, post-traumatic stress disorder, in my case, I just took the cues that I was seeing and made them fit the narrative I was being told. Mm-hmm. And it made sense. So clearly that must be reality. And I just acted accordingly in the way that would make her feel the best, or so I thought. It also didn't help that he was working like 48 and 72-hour shifts, being gone for multiple days straight, and then being home. And I was working three jobs at the time, and this was early days of cell phones. So there really wasn't texting. There really wasn't the communication that you can have nowadays with your significant other mm-hmm. of on a moment's notice. Just being able to... So you wanted to be in a relationship with him? Yeah. So did you want to be in a relationship with her? Oh, very much so. I thought she was a great woman, and uh, I'm a hopeless romantic. So, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So after you move out, then you still stay in contact? Or what? where do you guys go? <sighs> Your separate ways? We did not as much as we should have. Uh, like it was a... You could time your watch by it every three months. No matter what was going on in our lives, it would be down to almost the exact day. One of us would call the other and just we do a checkup. Hey, how you doing? How's everything going on? Are you seeing anybody? Where are you at now? How's work? You know, he'd ask me how my dad was. I'd ask him how various different people that we both knew, but he saw more often were. And we'd check in. And I think in the first couple of years, he started calling me little sister over the phone. 
which was really weird. So I kind of <laughs> so was like, all right, he wants to kind of switch this over to the family sort of thing. Because with our security group, we're all kind of a big mismatch, misfit family. So mm-hmm. I call a lot of them my brothers and my sisters because they're my found family. I'm like, okay, that's kind of how he wants to go. Still really awkward. <laughs> was, there, was there something going on in your life at that time that you were kind of converting the relationship? No, I was just trying to make it more comfortable for her because I thought, again, that, you know, my my existence as I was living it was making her uncomfortable. So I just tried to make it as non-threatening as possible. Okay. And I Wait. thought that was the way to do it. Can men and women be friends? I think so. Well, if not, I've been doing it wrong for a long time. <laughs> so the sex thing doesn't get in the way? No, I have a lot of female friends that I've never slept with. Yeah, I'm the same way with male and female friends. I even have a few female friends that I didn't even want to have sex with. (laughs) (laughs) So (laughs) that's another podcast. Yeah. (laughs) Right. So how does your relationship kind of progress from there? I got married to my now ex-husband, then divorced, and started with another guy that was I was with for eight years overall. And then suddenly out of nowhere, I get this lovely postcard of an invite to a wedding. <laughs> I, I was going through a, a series of disappointing relationships and one of them resulted in a wedding and subsequent divorce. So um, it was our first time seeing showing up the night before his wedding was the first time we saw each other outside of an event, probably in years so you were at the wedding yes we were at the wedding we were at the wedding yeah. too <laughs> yeah i was <laughs> i was actually there with my soon-to-be ex-husband at the time and were those relationships monogamous okay so <laughs> that really leads into communication and where it can fall apart really easy because we had a very similar experience where our spouses told us that they were either okay with our polyamory or in my case, that she herself was also polyamorous mm-hmm. and it ended up being a lie and putting a huge strain on the relationship. How, how do you define polyamory? So it is a very broad term. Mm-hmm. And I realize that. And for me personally, it is the ability to romantically be in love with more than one person. Um, so it's not something you necessarily do as a couple. You do it as an individual person. Doing it as a couple is not a prerequisite. It could happen, mm-hmm. but it doesn't have to. Okay. So is that different than an open relationship? Yes. In what way? With an open relationship, I don't believe that romance and falling in love with somebody has to happen. It could. So that's just a sexual relationship. Yeah. And again, this is my opinion. Got it. Okay. Is that how you would define it? Uh, For open? Yeah. it's, It's being able to have play partners that are outside of your significant other, outside of your main relationship. Where polyamory is... More emotional. Yeah, more emotional. Like you can have your husband and your boyfriend or your girlfriend Mm -hmm. or even a shared between you and your significant other. But it's someone that you care deeply about. It's not just a sexual partner. Yeah, it's someone that you would want to actually take to a family gathering Mm -hmm. or, you know, go away with or even possibly in the future think about having kids with or adopting pets with or living with. So someone that you actually see a future with. So now in your previous marriage, was he, did he understand the relationship to be polyamorous when you first got in the relationship together? Yeah. I mean, I've been what I thought 
I, I didn't know it was polyamory back way back then because we knew each other in high school. But I kind of looked at him and went, this is kind of how I am. He's like, I have no problem with that. And when we got married, uh, it was sadly kind of a don't ask, don't tell. It was the, mm. you can have your relationships, but don't flaunt them in front of me. What, why did you say sadly? Because that's not a healthy way to do it. Mm. Like He's like, go have your fun. But when you're here, you're with me. So he doesn't know your other partner or... Well, like he knew all of my partners, but mm-hmm. it wasn't the... We didn't really use the labels in front of him. And if... But it was also if he asked me, who did you go out on a date with? Or this and that. I'd turn around. I'd tell him exactly. But if he didn't ask, he didn't really want to hear much about it. Did he go on dates also? No. He was a very monogamous person. He okay. was very old school, but he also knew that I needed, I I can't get all of what I need from just one person. And was your ex-wife the same way? No, actually she would make excuses about um, another individual I might be interested in Mm -hmm. and explain to me in a way that she felt that that the other person would be damaging to our marriage. Or she would flaunt her own mental illness and instabilities as being a bad time for me to engage in another relationship. She would just find whatever roadblock she could. Just trying to sabotage everything. Yeah. Okay. And in both situations, I find that what happens is the polyamorous individual just ends up feeling like a bad person. And maybe they're broken in the way that they think isn't right. And whatever's going on, the problem is theirs. And so they shut down and kind of do a, all right, better keep, you know, marriage or relationship steady right now. I'll just not indulge that portion of me and just stick with this person and, you know, make sure everything's nice and stable. And a month becomes six months, becomes a year, becomes multiple years and just eats away at you. So did you both initiate the divorces? Oh, I initiated mine. Yeah, we both did. (laughs) Why did you choose to be polyamorous, or is it not a choice? I don't believe it's a choice at all. I I think it's something that you're hardwired to. And I'm going to say something that people have pushed back on a little bit. When I try to explain it, it's similar to somebody being gay Mm -hmm. or lesbian. Whatever they are on the spectrum of things. It is not Mm -hmm. a choice. It is just something you are. It is part of your identity, and you can embrace it. Or you can deny it. And I'll tell you right now, if you deny it, in my case, that'll be very destructive for you. Do you ever have people that you think are polyamorous and then they end up not being? Like they're maybe experimenting and then it they're not hardwired for it? Oh, yeah. I've had that happen a few times. And after the first couple of times, I always went, okay, so now I, need, now I know I need to really pay attention to things. You know, if they start to not feel comfortable, I need to know so I can go ahead and control this descent. So I have a a client that I I would call her polyamorous Mm -hmm. and she would come in really depressed when she would break up with her boyfriend. Her marriage was still intact, but she would, that was really hard on her whenever her boyfriend, she would, you know, how was that for you guys? I think being the one who more recently had a breakup. Yeah. I I mean, it's to me, it's, it's just like having, any other romantic relationship that fails, you know, it's heartbreaking. It's difficult. So you, you increase the risk of getting hurt. Oh yeah. yeah. I mean, being polyamorous, you are opening your heart to more individuals. 
So you have more chances of getting hurt. You also have more chances of getting so much love and a support system for whatever you may go through or whatever they may go through and just so much more you can get back. So it's a gamble. Like with anything, you can receive so much, but you could also lose so much. And I would agree that the rewards are very bountiful in a relationship like that. But I'll admit I've had difficult times in uh, mono relationships or polyamorous relationships where I just wish I wasn't polyamorous. It would have made my life so much easier. Can, now, you, ta- can you talk more about that? When I would be with somebody who, you know, was really excellent fit with me, except for perhaps the the polyamory aspect. And they just couldn't be with me for that reason. Or really close friend of mine who we would love to be together. She is so jealous. And we know that it would never work. Yeah. Uh, you know, situations like that. How do you guys feel about the jealousy piece? Jealousy is absolutely a thing, even in a polyamorous relationship. It really is. And you have to work on it because like... I can be a very territorial person and I will look at him like we had an argument one night where we were, I was grabbing one of his hoodies so we could go outside to have a smoke and I'm smelling it. I'm like, that is not me. Where's this smell from? Who has been here? Who has been wearing this? This is one of your favorite hoodies. I'm like, no, that hoodie, that hoodie is mine. No one else. I don't care who else comes in here. You that one does not go on anybody else but me. Why is that important to you? Because it's marking, it, to me, it's kind of like marking territory. It's the, okay, I have no problem with him having whoever he wants to be with, but it's my own little nook. So he can't bring her to where you guys live? Oh, no. Go right ahead. It's just that hoodie. That hoodie's just the hoodie. <laughs> it's, it's my own little, mm-hmm. that's my yep. flag. It sounds like a little thing, but it's actually a big deal. And it really helps with the jealousy. Yeah, I think I think that is the thing that takes the place of people who are monogamous. And sex is that thing that is their territory. Mm-hmm. And for you, it's a sweatshirt. Yeah. And that what that symbolizes. Because, I mean, we all... We all have grown up where mm-hmm. women, you you get their hoodie, you get their shirt, their class ring, something that's theirs that you can wear that shows I'm with this person. This is theirs. It's mine now. But, so, but you can't really claim him as totally your person. Oh, I don't. I just claim a portion. So it's like a mini flag. It's a uh-huh. small, just say, no, we belong to each other. Yes, he belongs to many people, but there is this connection. Mm-hmm. And here's this proof. Here's this. So go ahead, have whatever other connections you want, but this is not going anywhere. Do you, do you define the different relationships in, in hierarchy? Like you're saying this is primary. I think of it not so much as a hierarchy. The only thing for me is I think of, yeah, my first priority is going to come to the person that I'm living with. Yes. But are they any more important than anybody else I'm with? No. But when it comes to stability of where I sleep, where I eat, where my kids or dogs are, that is a little, just slight bit more important to take care of. So that this, because the stability isn't just for me, it's for everyone involved than others. How about for you? So I try not to give a hierarchy, but. Realistically, yeah, there is. We're engaged. We're going to get married. So, yeah, she kind of has a, a card up on anyone else and comes along. <laughs> kind of use the, the hospital parable to 
explain that, you know, if her and my girlfriend are in the same car and they get into a car accident, but are taken to different hospitals, where do I go? I'm going to her hospital because this is my wife. You know, that's just how I do that. Yeah. It doesn't mean I love the person any less, but it's uh, a different commitment. level. I, I did mm-hmm. decide to put a ring on that one. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll get into that. In a yeah. <laughs> so it's kind of defined. I mean, we're talking about hierarchy, but it's kind of defined by how much you are investing in your relationship and you guys both invest in your relationship in, in a matter of resources and, you know, common bonds, right? Yeah. Resources, common bonds, and often, and also just, um, our commitment to each other. Yeah. You know, we've decided that, okay, this is the route we want to go. Now is the polyamorous relationships, is it gender specific? What I mean is that in some polyamorous relationships, they will have relationships with everyone involved. So it is not just specifically, you know, I'm, I'm polyamorous with, with women, but I would be polyamorous with women and men. Oh, I see. No, um, it's not gender specific, but I mean, again, you you have to default back on sexuality while she's bisexual. I'm heterosexual. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if she has a boyfriend, I'm not going to engage in a relationship with him. But there is also kitchen table polyamory. Would I be friends with them? Exactly. Yeah, sure. That's what kitchen oh, yeah. table polyamory is. Say I have a boyfriend, but next morning both of them are sitting at the kitchen table and can chat over coffee and hang out. They have a relationship mm. and we all have a relationship, but it's not necessarily sexual. It's a friendship and a bonding over their metamor, which is their person that they share with another person. Mm. So, I mean, it's it's a form of poly. But it's not necessarily sexual. sexual, right? So, do you have the equivalent of the sweatshirt? Do I? She's not here. Oh, yes. yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> we are also a uh, a kinky couple, and she has a collar, and she only wears it with me. And this has been an even bigger thing because he bet bought one. So, if I were to be with somebody else in that sort of relationship, I can wear. But it literally says medic owned. So it's showing that that person who I'm with may be my dominant in that particular situation, but my main dominant is him. So there's this concept of, I forgot who had this concept of like a love bank and that the more deposits that go in at some point, the attachment can sort of flip. This is that idea of can men and women be friends? So someone's putting enough in, eventually you're going to get, development attraction. Have you guys ever had, I'm going to, I'm going to use hierarchy just because I don't know what else to say, but like you guys are more of the primary partnership right now. Mm -hmm. Have you ever had that flip and then someone else became that, that you were dating also? Uh, You have recently. So possibly I, I was dating another woman when I started to date Pixie again. And I don't know if the same rule apply because admittedly when we entered into that relationship it was something we just kind of did out of friendship and boredom and we both wanted i'm saying we both wanted to get laid <laughs> and i don't know if that relationship was ever going to go anywhere anyway and i knew that going into it before i started dating Vixie. but when i did was that um, more of a friend with benefits type of thing yeah really kind of was it was supposed to be but then she started using labels and it just kind of like she was that a, way she was a friend with benefits that never went home <laughs> literally like i moved into where i'm living now and she didn't leave <laughs> <laughs> was she invited no 
And I just kind of went along with it. I was like, okay. Which I can chalk that one up to one of many mistakes I've made in a relationship. I really need to be and, more verbal. And that relationship came first. Yeah. Before you guys got more back official. together. Yeah. 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 And then, I mean, I became, it was very kitchen table poly with her because, you know, he'd be at work and we'd hang out while waiting for him to get home. And you or, all three lived in the same space? No, I would visit. Okay. Uh, she lived in the space, but when I would stay the night, I'd be in one bedroom, she'd be in the other He'd stay with me or he'd stay with her, depending on what was going on. And it worked out pretty decently well. And then when we all kind of realized it was leaning more towards it getting a lot more serious with me, she she kind of started backing off and not communicating, though we were both trying to talk with her about what was going on and how things were going. And then she just really shut down and left the situation. So when you said work on it, what does that mean? Well, we would try and, especially him, he would try and communicate with her, hey, what's going on? Like, you're giving me mixed signals, like you want to have some fun time, but then you don't, but you do. But like, we're feeling more like we're roommates than actually being together. Can we talk about this? And from what I got of it, she wasn't very responsive. So she didn't communicate. Yeah. Yeah. And that's where you're you're hitting at earlier that communication is key when it comes to this structure of relationship. Absolutely. How how do you guys do that? We constantly talk. Yeah, even if it's an uncomfortable topic, we just go, you know what, this needs to be talked about or it's gonna get bad. And we know it's gonna get bad because we've been in relationships where this type of stuff was not talked about and then it got bad. What are those type of topics? Jealousy is a huge one, you know, division of time. Noticing that the other person is in a possibly toxic relationship with somebody else, whether it be a friendship or romantically, and having to really open their eyes to it. So do you communicate when you go when you go on dates? Do you communicate with each other, letting each other know? Oh, definitely. Okay. Yeah. So the whole sweatshirt thing was... Uh, was just kind that of, was a part of the communication. That's part of the communication. Got bumped into, yeah. and then you went, "Oh, that part's important to me." Yeah, yeah. Like it was, we kind of fell into it, and it was very uncomfortable having the conversation. And I was very emotional about it because it was like, "No, this, this, this is me." You have tons of other hoodies, but this particular one is mine. So you mentioned rules. I, what kind of boundaries and rules need to be in place? Well, kind of the default first and foremost one is safer sex practices. You know, don't bring anything from your day off, <laughs> even if you don't mean to. Right. Communication. Um, communication, letting each other know when we're interested in somebody, but also trying to find out that if, hey, I'm really interested in this one particular person and would like to seek more with them, how do you feel about that? We've had that with uh, something recently where he's like, well, I mean, they're a nice guy and all, but kind of childish and I'm not sure I trust him that much. Okay, let's talk about it. Let's figure out like what kind of level of intimacy are you okay with me having with this person and you still being able to have full amount of trust in the situation. It's a lot of stuff like that. You consider the other person as well? Like if the other person was uncomfortable with something in your guys' relationship? I mean, we consider it. And of course, I don't want anyone to feel uncomfortable within a relationship dynamic. But again, that's one of the things where we have to fall. Okay, well, is it something that's really important to us or is it something that makes our relationship work better? But we always try to compromise. And with the other person, it would definitely be, okay, let's all sit down and talk about this. Let's 
figure out what's going on. And so you guys know each other's other partners. Oh yeah. Yeah. And how many different relationships are you in at one time? Right now, since moving in with each other and everything, we haven't really done the full label. I think at this point in time, I think there's maybe two possibilities outside of Joel for me. And I'm not currently seeing anyone else right now, but I do kind of have a personal rule that with my work schedule, I can only disappoint two women at a time. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Have they ever both been mad at you at the same time? Oh, yeah. Oh, Oh, that that made a very interesting dinner. Yes. Oh, (laughs) Where she and I kind of bonded over making fun of him and getting on his case about his health and work. And he's like, oh, great. This is awesome. I'm like, hey, you literally did this to yourself. <laughs> Go ahead. And just a general relationship issue that I have when I am seeing two people at the same time and we're doing something collectively. And I think any guy will probably relate to this. When you look at them both and ask, where are we going to eat tonight? You have no options. You're in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> And he's actually talking off of it. like, this has happened. And we all sat around with, wow, we are such a cliche. <laughs> <laughs> Times two. Yeah. Apparently, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. We felt bad. Me and the other one definitely felt bad about it. And we, we laughed about it. And then we finally figured something out. I was like, okay, maybe we need to figure out some like rock, paper, scissors situation or dice rolling system for next time. We'll when, figure it out. When you're starting a new relationship, are you letting them know that your engagement, your relationship, your soon to be marriage, right, is primary? Yes. You, you're my, telling them that. My two, I've known for years and he's known for quite some time. And Longer, longer than this relationship? Yes. Okay. And both of them were very big on the, no, you really should pursue this more. Like, don't get afraid to get hurt. Because he's, you guys are really good together. And, you know, I could see you being very happy. What do you mean by don't be afraid to get hurt? I have high anxiety when it comes to things. I'm a planner, but I'm also very good on my feet. But I'm very good on my feet because I have plan A through double Z. So any particular kind of thing that could go wrong, I have a course of action. I have a procedure manual already set to the side, and I t- genuinely don't leap before I look. And with this relationship and with moving in with each other and everything like that, I have no safety net. So I took a huge leap for completely uprooting my life from one state to another. I had no guarantee of work. I had guarantee of a bed to sleep in, but no real way to contribute at first and leaving people I've lived with for six, almost seven years and a town that if I quit my job less than six hours later, I could have another job. No problem. Problem went better. I had stability. So you moved here for him? Yeah, I, I definitely moved for him, especially since I never thought I would live in that state. Before we get into that, when did you know you were polyamorous? How did that happen and how old were you? For me, it was high school. I had a very strong relationship with my best friend in high school. And when I met someone else, she kind of gave me the blessing, you know, hey, go ahead and, and do your thing with her. And months later, I started to realize the implications of that and how it felt for me and really who I was romantically. So, yeah, senior year of high school. 
And I was very early on where I actually became a unicorn, (laughs) which means uh, a unicorn (laughs) is you see, uh, you see a lot of people posting or talking about where there are people getting into being open or poly. And it's a couple looking for a third female to enter into their relationship with them, but they're still primaries and, but for fun time and everything like that, I really, I had my best friend, female best friend who was dating this guy and dating this other guy and they were best friends. So they had kitchen table and I really liked him, but I also really liked her. We kind of became a triangle, a thropple, a thropple in a way. And I was like, sure, yeah, let's try this. Cool. I didn't think anything weird of it because I grew up in a family where my dad was slightly polyamorous while I was growing up. I just never knew what it was until I got older and could have those real in-depth conversations. What does slightly mean? My stepmom and my dad had about what me and my ex-husband had of, she's like, all right, don't bring anything home. And unless I ask, I don't want to know. More more of an open relationship then. Yes, but they both had real relationships with these people. Like mm-hmm. my stepmom knew this other woman that we would go and stay weekends with me and my dad. Oh. And she had no problem with it because she knew that she could trust this woman with her daughter and her pretty much husband. What but was that like for you? I I thought it was normal. I mean, I literally grew up with it. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was great because it would let's go to Auntie Lisa's and hang out and she'd be like another mom. And it was great because then if I needed mom advice, I had multiple moms I could talk to and get various different viewpoints. So when I started into this relationship, I was like, okay, let's try this out. And it ended up being really great. And these two were at the center of my big friend group through my my high school years. So everyone kind of knew that that was just kind of how I was. So I really didn't have an issue with dating multiple people at the same time. Now, your, your upbringing, Joel, were your parents polyamorous or slightly polyamorous? Uh, <laughs> I, I come from a long line of reformed, alcoholic, born-again Christians. Wow. So they're re- and, and carpenters and roofers as well. So being a polyamorous firefighter who enjoy the drink now and then, I, I'm the black sheep of the family. <laughs> and then, On many levels. Yeah, and that's my, my dad's side of the family. And then my mom's side of the family are just, it, with the exception of my mother and my sister, everyone's um, just an unstable alcoholic or drug user. So I really don't identify with them at all. So I don't fit into either side of my family. And I'm kind of fine with that. <laughs> so you had to find your own way. I really did. Yeah. Do you have relationships with your family? My mother and my sister, I do. My father's passed away. And the only person I was really, really close with was my uncle, who passed away a couple years ago. So, yeah, my my blood family circle is getting really small. And they're accepting of your lifestyle? My sister is, definitely. I have a hard time broaching the conversation with my mother at all. She's been divorced three times and is not really a big fan of men. And the, the decisions <laughs> that they make. And that's putting it very lightly. So I don't have a lot of conversation with her about that. And what's your sister's take on this? My sister is nine years older than me. She kind of helped raise me. And she lives in Portland, Oregon. So she's fine with it. <laughs> we talk about it over, you know. Does she have the same lifestyle? Not even not even a little bit, no. Okay. <laughs> but we we talk about it over, you know, glasses of wine whenever she's in town. 
and uh, she's very supportive. Now they all know that you guys are engaged. Yes. No. Oh, oh. Right. that's right. My mother doesn't. <laughs> he wanted to contact his sister first to let her know because it's usually if mom's going to freak out, she runs to Marcy. So warn Marcy that mom might freak out slightly or be like, okay, this is too soon or what's going on and come to you. So, so mom let's, doesn't know yet. let's make sure you let us know before this episode airs. How about that? Um, <laughs> okay. Well, again, you know, if my sister heard it, it'd be fine. Right. And I assure you, my mother is not technologically advanced enough to listen to a podcast. <laughs> I barely am. <laughs> So so let's go back to the beginning of this stage of your guys' relationship. So you're living, obviously, somewhere else. Yeah. How do you guys find each other again? Oh, um, this, this is a great story. I love this because it took us getting back together, what I think any difficulty in your life you really need. It was a, uh, a hotel room, a large bottle of wine, and a little bit of time. <laughs> that was it. But basically, it was December two years ago. I'm at a friend of mine's birthday party, and my phone lights up, and it's his name. He's one of those people that all of my friends know if his name pops up on my phone, because nobody calls me. Nobody calls anybody anymore. And if they call, it's an emergency. I'm like, no, no matter what, everybody knows if his name popped up, even if I was like in the bathroom, they pick up and go, hey, hold on. And he calls, and I'm down to like less than 10% of battery on my phone, and... I'm like, screw it. What's up? Come to find out that his best friend and roommate at the time had passed away pretty tragically. And he was kind of a wreck. And so I'm standing out on the 10th floor of a hotel in December on a porch, not wearing a jacket, shivering my behind off on the phone with him for God knows how long, not caring that I'm freezing because... I want to make sure he's okay. Um, and if I could just interject real quick. Actually, uh, I mentioned that my uncle passed away. My uncle passed away the day before my roommate died. Yeah. So, so I was really well. needing a friend right then. Yeah. And we had been talking about, or he had been talked to, no, to a mutual friend of ours about going back to the sci-fi cons, which are more of a, you kind of go, you go to parties, you go to events and you just kind of relax and see people you don't see very often. He had been away from those for quite a few years. And it got brought up. And I'm like, well, me and my SO at the time are uh, looking to go. We haven't gotten a hotel room yet. He goes, well, I have a hotel room. I'm like, well, do you, why don't we all share it? And we can all go together. We're, we're hosting this party. Why don't you come and help us out with it? I mean, maybe check for IEDs at the door for a little bit. But hey, don't have to worry about where you're getting your alcohol for the weekend. And it'll be a good time. And is this in either of your towns? This is middle way middle way kind of so we both had to travel for it so i came in early with my one of my roommates at the time and we're trying to get everything kind of set up and so there's me and him in the room and my roommate we're all having drinks and i've got this you know those really big bottles of wine that you get (laughs) of like barefoot where it's it's like two bottles (laughs) right that was mine that night (laughs) and i'm really good with keeping wine down i'm and I was so excited at the time because I thought that once her roommate left, her and I would be able to sit down and talk and catch up over these years where we've only been talking every three months, you know, here and there. And, you know, we, we'd start to get that friendship back again. That, that's what I thought was going to happen that night. And we kind of started doing that even with him there. Yeah. Because this person has known both of us for 
eight, nine years and has worked with both of us and calls both of us friends. So he's laughing hearing us talk about stories of the good old days and bring up, you know, things like he's gotten shot. I didn't know about that until that came up and I'm learning about it and he's learning about it and he's learning about things about me and it's nice and it was very comfortable. My my roommate goes to his room to go crash out for the night and we did. We kind of sat there for a while and chatted and uh, we had a very nice conversation for a short period of time and then you remember the old cartoons when Pepe Le Pew would jump on the cat that's got the white line? Right. Down? Yeah, it was like that except she was Pepe. Yeah. <laughs> so nothing's changed. No, it was great. In 20 years. Yeah, yeah, right. So, it was it was my 15-year-old self all over again. So this time he didn't have to worry about going to jail. Your roommate was just kind of like, uh, Oh, well, he, he was gone. Oh, he, he left, was gone by this point. Yeah, this was after we had just had the room to ourselves and like it was one of those moments of I have missed and figured out after the fact way too many times that I've missed that moment because I'm overthinking things and seven eighths of a giant bottle of wine in kind of stopped the anxiety and I jumped before I looked and thankfully landed on solid ground. <laughs> so this is what kickstarted your relationship. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, that weekend really kickstarted it. Especially since I always tell people that I trust him with my life. And I literally do. And that weekend, while we were working this party, which is in a hotel room, I had been in there all night bartending and hosting and checking up on things. And we decided we're going to go out and have a smoke. Well, I've been roofied before. I'm, I've been out to bars in Chicago. I know better. I watch my drink. And somehow in like the 10 minutes to get from outside of our room to outside, I got roofied mm-hmm. wow. standing next to him. And well, I know what the signs are and my brain goes, Oh, Oh, Joel, I need you. <laughs> we need to go upstairs. And for like 13 hours, he took care of me while I'm slightly hallucinating. I'm in and out of consciousness. I am spewing my guts out on things that now him and less than 10 other people probably know about my life. And I'm oh, the next day looking back on it. It wasn't the, oh crap, what did I say? It was the, well, it's Joel. I'm sure whatever I said, everything will be fine. I mean, I'd still like to know what I said, but <laughs> I'm not worried. And that moment of, I'm not worried about telling him anything. That, it was really nice. Do you guys feel that there is something special between you that you don't have with other people in the world. Time and understanding. I know that a lot of people don't understand polyamory and they don't understand the way that the polyamory brain is wired and we get each other. And that's really, really, really our, refreshing. Our baggage it matches. <laughs> it matches in weird ways, um, which really makes communicating a lot easier. Is that similar with other people or is there something different about you guys? I mean, I think we both have people that we can relate to on our baggage. Like um, he has a bromance with one of my best friends for the past 13 years because they can relate on the firefighter paramedic PTSD and issues and stresses. While this is a person I used to date at one point where he and I were able to do the same, but in a slightly different way. So we're able to just sit down and be comfortable with each other 
not as comfortable as anybody else. But yeah, I mean, each individual person gives you something different. It's like they're pieces of a puzzle to make your heart whole. You'd agree with that, Joel? Absolutely. It's just so refreshing to be with a significant other that isn't going to judge you for your past because they kind of understand the things you've gone through and the way you've coped with it. So when you say time, you're talking about the amount of investment that the two of you have made in this relationship over a course of time. Yeah, right from from day one when she was just this, you know, you know, cute little high school student that you, you worked with and, and uh, all the way to now. Well, and another thing that you have to think about with the time, yeah, we've known each other for over 20 years, but for the first, I'd say five or six, we saw each other at most two to three weekends a year for the first couple of years. And then we started seeing each other a bit more often. And then we were back down to, I think there was a two year gap in physically seeing each other at one point. So... So, yeah, but it's these weekends that you, you meet people and you work with them so closely that you you find out their grandmother's middle name by the end of the weekend, and it it's a lasting bond. So we've had our, our ups and downs as far as how much time we spend with each other, but every minute has added up. So how long ago did you guys kind of re- restart the relationship? How long ago was that? March 1st, 2018. So... There was the December, and then it's the following March? Yeah, December happened. February, Valentine's Day weekend was the bottle of wine. And from there, I he we saw each other one more time after that, which was me actually going out to his place and staying the night. And by the end of just staying the night, it's like, so this is going to be a thing, right? So that's when you move in? No. <laughs> that's when we started dating and it took up until the the final move in was actually only about a month ago last this so june of 2019 where so, you moved from whatever state you yeah were. one state to the other so um, how do you decide to get engaged communication have, yeah first of all communication <laughs> definitely i kind of have to speak for myself on this one yeah um, i'm not getting any older or any younger and i just kind of had to have a real hard evaluation on what i want out of my life who i'm willing to do that with and she kind of checked all those boxes. So, well, especially after many nights of a couple bottles of wine and sitting there and going, "So, if you had kids, are you pro or against spanking?" And just random things that you just talk to another person about. Like, how many kids would you like to have? And I mean, do you want to rent for the rest of your life, or would you like to buy a house? So, is that the main reason then? Yeah, I mean, we we're just very compatible, and mm-hmm. it was noted. So I'm like, okay, well, yeah, no reason to really drag this out. So let's hear the engagement story. We were, we were. I'm uh, still finding out most of these details. So we were at a very large event in Michigan, and there was a large bonfire, and I was kind of one of the crews tending to it. So I was in my firefighter bunker gear, which she loves, oh, and I, I do. know that <laughs> I do. So when they kind of brought down the barriers and let the crowd kind of be more around the fire, that's when I proposed. And I figured if I'm in my firefighter gear, I have a better chance of her saying yes. Plus, there's a lot of witnesses. So. <laughs> well, and it gets even worse than that because someone we had been working with at this event, uh, she had her nine-month-old daughter with her. And her husband was also on the fire crew. And so they were a little freaked out because it's a large crowd of, you know, what if... Panic starts happening. 
how would she deal with it? Because she's kind of a, she's not frail. Like she can handle her own, but she's not good of the, oh crap, what am I going to do? So they hooked me up with her and I'm like, no, I, I've got another bunker jacket. So in case the fire does get a little bit out of hand, I can put the kid in the jacket with me. So then we have the nine month old taken care of, like, and I've got escape routes and we're good. I don't mind bowling someone over for a kid. We're good. <laughs> but then a friend of ours came over. He's like, Hey, Pixie, um, Joel really wants to see you. Um, and first thing I'm thinking of is he's been standing around this fire for almost an hour. I'm like, Oh, he's overheating. Crap. Do we have bottles of water? Do we have Gatorade? Like, He's, we're probably going to need to get his temperature down and this and that. Like, I'm going into medical mode. And I get over there, and he's like, oh, finally. Takes off his mask and his helmet, and he drops down to one knee. And first things out of my mouth are, you asshole. <laughs> <laughs> Come to find out after the fact, he's told numerous people, including our boss for the weekend, about it. And they have been standing around me all day, apparently trying not to cry. Because they know what's going to happen. So you had no idea. Like, we've talked about it. And actually, a couple weeks beforehand, someone had accidentally, like, let it slip that he may have gone to see a jeweler. And there may have been one night where he was like, it's going to happen. Because I've literally got it right here. Close your eyes. Put your (laughs) hands on it. But (laughs) guess what? You'll never know when. (laughs) So it was kind of a, we, we both knew. And I mean, I would make jokes of the, well, who says I'm going to say yes? Come on now. But it was definitely something we both really wanted and we knew beforehand. So, I mean, especially doing a grand gesture in front of a bunch of people, you kind of want to know that it's going to end well. <laughs> now, why is getting married important to you both? I mean, you could still continue having a polyamorous relationship. You could still have kids without being married. Absolutely. But I've never been afraid of marriage. I've been terrified of divorce, but not marriage. And I think we just both kind of want a good one. Yeah, we both had our divorces. And we, like to me, I I want, it, it gives you a certain feeling of stability. Because... Yeah, you're going into this, but it's going to take a lot for you to get away from me after this. <laughs> I do think that us being married would probably curb a lot of the potential jealousy, which again, even in a polyamorous relationship, is totally a thing, but I think it would help a lot. But it also gives you a, a sense of relief because say he goes into the hospital, he did this past year, and thankfully the nurses were really cool. I'm like, hey, I'm his girlfriend. They're like, oh yeah, honey, go on in there. But if something worse... And he's making the decisions. His mom would have been the one making the decisions, which I knew were things that he didn't want if it hadn't been been for the fact that I kind of lied to his mom and said, no, he's signed over those things to me. And even when I first got there, he was like, in case things goes bad, you're making the decisions just so you know. All right. But it makes it so that we can in cases of bad things like that, we can make those decisions and no one can stop us. Legal decisions. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It makes it so that when we do have kids, if something were to go wrong, it's easier to deal with. And if God forbid, knock on wood, anything happens to either one of us, easier to get everything taken care of. 
But yeah, so it, it gives you a stability, which takes out a lot of anxiety, which takes care of having to talk about a lot of things so that you can pay attention to the communication that you need of how is my partner doing? What do you need? What do you require? What would you like? And those are a lot of different things because I'll look at him and go, hey, are you okay? Yeah. Do you want something? No. Do you need something? Well, because want and need are two different things. Mm-hmm. So, Jill, you, you've talked about jealousy a few times. Can you talk more about that? Like, what are the things that are meaningful to you? And in, in a polyamorous, polyamorous relationship, sometimes it is not necessarily the reality, but the perceived time spent with someone else. You may get jealous over that. And just like any mono relationship, it's something that I'm prone to. Um, I know she's prone to it. it. It's just something to kind of look out for. And I kind of have to every now and then stop and go, oh, wait a minute, I'm being silly. Okay, I'm fine now. And we move on. Why do you think that's silly? To be jealous? Mm-hmm. I mean, we're designed that way, right? We are. And, and I think the jealousy is just different for poly people than not. But I think that time together is a really important thing of feeling like you're being slighted or not important in someone's life. Yeah. But the other side of that is I also wouldn't be in this relationship with these parameters if I didn't know that she viewed wherever I am as home. And I know she's going to come home. And that's very important. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I lose sight of that. Do you, do you get jealous with your other partners? I haven't, but I could see where I, I could. I think that could absolutely be a thing someday. Yeah, it would depend on how much time you're spending with them, right? Yeah, absolutely. Is that the same for you? Yeah. I mean, I my grandmother used to say a thing of, yeah, he can go ahead and look at everything, whatever he wants. But end of the night, he comes home about my grandfather and about all kinds of different people that she knew. Were they polyamorous also? <sighs> kind of. I mean, it's a lot of things that come out through family reunions and a little too much whiskey that you kind of piece together over the years. But she was very okay with him because it's the, yeah, go ahead, look, just don't touch and come home. It's for most people. So you go ahead, look, get your appetite wetted. But remember, this is where you eat. This is where you go. This is where you come back to. And I do get jealous of people taking too much time or what you think is too much time with with a partner because it's like, okay, when am I going to have my time? Would that be true if the rest of your life was out of balance? Like if you weren't in other relationships at the time and he was spending time with someone else and then you had a day that was a rough day and you really needed him, like stuff like that? I mean, yeah, then that's where a little bit of jealousy would come into it. But then it would also be the communication of the, I want nothing but you right now. I need at least a small amount of your attention in order to get through this. But I really want this. Mm -hmm. I'm just letting you know. But I also understand that you need that time with this person. And and that's how it is in any uh, romantic relationship. It's just in a polyamorous relationship there is an additional factor of another person. Mm -hmm. Would you ever consider living with another relationship? Like the two of you having one of your relationships actually live with you guys? I know I would not right now, but in the future when things are a bit more stable, you know, uh, when my work schedule is a little bit less crazy or whatever the case may be. Yeah. 
Because that, that would be a very different structure of the relationship. Very different. And does that mean you with someone or her with someone or either one? Either one. Either or, really. I mean, and also that makes things like having kids a lot easier. We have a friend of, we have friends of ours who are 20, yeah, 20 years. Oh no, 18 years married couple and her boyfriend lives with them and has for years. And, but he helps out with the kids and things around the house. And it's a really nice way of doing it because, I mean, you always have somebody around, you always have help, you always have support. And the more, more hands you have, the easier the work. And they also live in a much bigger house. <laughs> yeah, they do. <laughs> what advice would you give to someone who was discovering that this is how they were wired? Communication is key. And you often have to reevaluate yourself. Make sure this is really the life that you want for yourself. Is this really you? But also don't stick yourself into a hole. Like don't put yourself into a box of I'm polyamorous like this because you're constantly going to have to be reevaluating how you are with each individual partner and just overall. And you may learn something and go, oh, I like that. I want to try that or try a portion of that in with this. So you don't want to put yourself into this one little box and not be able to grow from it. And your ideas can change very quickly once they get put into practice. You may find out that something may not work for you or for the or for other people. Have you guys ever felt that it was dangerous? No. Other than the not knowing, always knowing who your other partner may have been with. And staying up on regular STI checkings and everything like that and open communication about it. Other than that, I don't think it's really dangerous. I went out to dinner once with my father and we went for a walk in the mall. Like, you know, he was an older guy. That was the thing. Let's go for a walk in the mall. All right. Ran into both my girlfriends. They were hanging out that day. (laughs) And they were very tactful about the entire situation. But I knew if it had come out, I had no idea how my dad was going to react. I think that's the most danger I ever felt (laughs) is explaining to my father. Uh, So those were both my girlfriends and they're just hanging out together. together. (laughs) So what is it that your partner does that they, that you know, they love you? Have you eaten? How did you sleep? Yeah, I know I woke you up for some fun time, but hey, you can go back to sleep for a while. That's my favorite. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I know he loves me because like today he's like, hey, uh, so my thought is let's grab showers and we can go out to breakfast and then we'll head out for the podcast. I'm like, "Uh, I'm not that hungry. I mean, if you're hungry, we can definitely go. No, I'm not hungry at all. I just want to make sure you're taken care of. I'm like, it's your birthday. I'm supposed to be taking care of you. Yeah, well, it doesn't work like that. I'm still going to worry about you. And that's when I know I'm really loved that he wants to take care of me before himself. And I want to do the same for him. I'm very careful about learning my partners and their love language and how they react to situations and, you know, how they behave when they're in certain moods. Or hungry. Or hungry. (laughs) And I've had 20 years to do it with her, even on a platonic level. So for me... It's just the way she looks at me. I know. Joel and Christina, we want to thank you so much for being on the podcast today. This has been a very enjoyable experience for, for us as well. Yeah. Thank you for having us. Thank you very much. You know, people have been sharing their stories for thousands of years to grow and to heal and to bond. We hope that by you guys sharing your story, it's enriched your lives and the lives of our listeners. 
For all of you listening, please subscribe to our podcast and please also consider leaving a review. If you have any questions, comments, or topic suggestions, please email us at contact at couplesynergy.com. For more information about Couple Synergy and our programs, such as Relationship 101, the Couples Weekend Intensive, and our premier program called Couple to Couple, look us up online at couplesynergy.com. And if you know anyone that can benefit from this topic, please share this episode. Until next time, synergize your life, synergize your love. You have been listening to Couple Synergy with Dr. Ray and Jean Kedkodian. Couple Synergy was recorded, edited, and produced by Dr. Ray and Jean Kedkodian. Voiceover and music entitled Breathe and Let Go was recorded and composed by Gina Gonzalez. <laughs>